When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. El futuro tiene nada más que la confrontación. Hey, welcome to Unpopular Opinion. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. I used to write a bunch of weekly columns for a bunch of internet places, and I would use those columns to put forth all sorts of crazy opinions. And then I would come on this show to defend those opinions. But now, mind your own business. Joining me today, it's, I mean, it's just me and Jeff. Do I have to do this every time? I'm Adam Todd Brown. Jeff is Jeff. We do this. We do podcasts. Jeff does a bunch. I do a bunch. And then you listen to them. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam Todd Brown and Jeff May. It's going to be a great show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Unpopular Opinion, I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. Jeff is dancing. You can find me in the club, baby, bottle full of bub. <laughs> if you are watching this on YouTube, you can clearly see we are joining you live from the official Unpops discotheque. Yes. Which... Uh, Voyage au discotheque. Which... I mean, if you search around, you'll find it. We don't like to disclose the location. It's a private club. I'll just say this. It's close to Fenway. Pretty... Pretty, uh... Yeah, it's a pretty exclusive club, if you ask me. Think about it like this: we got them to turn the music down so we could record a podcast, and now the people are dancing to our podcast. Yeah, they all hate us, but they have to dance to something. You got to dance. So, Why yeah. are you at a club if you're not there to dance? Yeah, we're recording this in person. Oh my god, it's a very rare moment for us. Yeah, we just did a card opening video that you can see on YouTube. A a little show that Jeff has decided is called "You Don't Even Like Sports." Cards. Cards. <laughs> That's a good fucking name. That's a good name. And uh, yeah, if you if you go to the YouTube, you can see us opening baseball cards at Fenway Park. Crazy. Yeah. Reminiscing, yeah. talking mad shit. Yep. And now we have, at least on video, we have moved on to a very exclusive nightclub. Club where Fenway. We're recording this. You can't see that if you're just listening to the podcast version. But Get on the YouTube, subscribe. Yeah, go check it out. Go see what me and Jeff look like. If you're one of those people who's like... I've always wondered what you look like. Yeah. It's like we, we don't been... exist on social media, so yeah. that's good. Yeah. We have been doing this for 10 years. Oh, that's a long time. That's such a long time. And, and we went that long not buying packs of 89 Donruss to open. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Yeah. As much as we mentioned the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, we just found one for the first time. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. We pulled the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. Very exciting moment. Yeah. And way less exciting, the Kurt Schilling rookie card. Yeah, fuck that. Now we are recording an Unpops. I'm still recovering from yeah. surgery. I'm much better than I was on the last episode. Yeah. The thing I mentioned on the last episode, did I tell you this part? Go on. I had an incision in my mouth that opened. Good. So what would happen is whenever I talked especially loud, yeah. or said anything with a B or a P at the beginning, 
an air bubble would expand inside my cheek. And Jeff, it hurt like the dickens. That's very funny to me. And um, it was happening nonstop through last week's You have to like unpops. talk out of the side of your mouth like you're having a stroke? I didn't have to change the way I talked, but I think my voice... You could have. I think my voice sounded a little different yeah. because of everything that was you're, happening. I like it's funny that you're like, well, I didn't have to change the way that I talked. I'm like, well, maybe that's why it was hurting so bad. No, there was nothing I could do. There was absolutely nothing. Um, but that part seems to have subsided. If it makes you feel better... I'm going to punch you in the jaw right after this. We Maybe did we can I, recalibrate some shit. That was we had that text exchange at one point where we talked about how devastating it would be if I just got slapped. Just gave you like a big just, left hook right to the jaw. Just a little slap to the face would yeah. have ruined me. Detonate a week mouth. ago. Yeah. <laughs> but now I would just slap you back. Oh, you hit me and I'll hit you back. Oh, yeah. rest in peace, Shock G. R.I.P. to a, a real G. He was Humpty Hump, you know. Now, we've decided to do a, a vintage on Pops. Correct. Because, hear me out on this one, we that's what we wanted to do. Yes. I was going to mention, I have recovered from surgery, but it's not been easy working. I've been back home yeah. since I traveled, and like getting back into the spin of things has been hard. Although, I will say this, the thing I did the most... While I was home, other than get ignored by my family, sure, uh, was literally searching out stuff for the you don't even like sports card stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, Dude, yeah, you yeah. Have n- the number of trading card sports card places that I went to, including the place in Oxford, Massachusetts, that I went to as a kid, still open, survived. I can't believe we didn't mention this on the card opening video we just did, but there is an unpops listener named Christine. I won't say her last name because they don't want me to say their name on a public podcast, but her husband used to own a baseball card shop in Peoria, Illinois. Oh yeah, that's crazy. And we were doing the the card opening video and uh, she apparently talked him into coming and watching it. He didn't want to do it at first, but then he he was into it and got some packs for them to open. And it turns out he is the guy that owned the baseball card shop I went to the most as a kid. Unbelievable. It was called Clubhouse Collectibles. It was in Landmark, which is a bowling alley, movie theater, arcade. Damn, that sounds awesome. Off-track betting. An OTB? And it has a gym. Damn. Like, I would live there if I could. Yeah. And at one point, it had this really small baseball card shop. And my parents were in a bowling league at Landmark. So I would just, I would go with them and I would hang out at the baseball card shop. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's such a crazy coincidence. If he's listening, send us your garbage. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll open the garbage. Send me me some cards, Doug. Come on, Doug. And yeah, I do want to shout out, because I know this is obviously we're on the main, not on, you don't even like sports cards, but... DJ Sports Cards, Oxford, Mass, went there as a child, went back, still open, same guy. And he's like, the like there was a kid that was like debating on whether or not to get a card or a pack. And he was like talking the kid through it. And then when the kid went to pay, he like chalked off enough money so the kid could also buy a pack. Oh, nice. And I was like, that's that shit I'm talking about. Yeah. That's the customer service that keeps you alive when an entire industry collapses in on <laughs> exactly. itself. Exactly. So yeah, shout out. That that was such a wild coincidence. I can't believe we forgot to mention yeah. that on the yeah. last PAX Our bad here. video. 
So, yeah, we're doing a, a tradish Unpops episode where oh, we're just we're just talking about some unpopular opinions. We got a lot of comedy opinions. We do. I think because comedy is is a big thing. There was a a big event last night um, that happened yeah. on the Netflix net last night as of recording because Chris Rock did his live Netflix special. It was all right. It had moments where it dragged, but yeah. he botched a joke or two. Yeah, and that's, I think you can chalk up to the fact that it was live. Live comedy, baby. Like, had it been edited and professionally produced, it would yeah. be any other great Chris Rock special. I'll add, what we might not have needed was the, like, Oscar red carpet style pre and post shows that they did on there. I didn't even watch the fucking post show. There was, like, a post show where it was, like, David Spade, oh, Dana no, Carvey, yeah. Arsenio was there. Kareem was there, JB Smoove, and they were all just talking about like the bit. They were analyzing the bits. Yeah, that's And weird. I was like, this is, I don't like this. Yeah, I didn't watch that part. I watched the special. And you I don't guess. Need Comedy Center. I guess that leads into my opinion, which is I think pound for pound, if we're asking who is the greatest comedian of all time, the GOAT, I think it's Chris Rock. You think so? Chris Rock, he's been doing it. For so long. And the difference between him and, say, Dave Chappelle, who's a name that gets thrown out there a lot. Okay. There is no period in Chris Rock's life where he, say, took 15 years off from comedy. Yeah. Like, he doesn't put out a special every year, but his last one was 2018. Yeah. That's not that long ago. His specials are so consistent and his jokes age really well. Like, I'm sorry, Eddie Murphy's Raw is actually one of the worst comedy specials it is, it of all doesn't, time. It doesn't, it does not hold up. It's very in amber. Yeah, it's not jokes. Yeah. It's just Eddie Murphy showing off his personality in his leather suit. It's, I think, I think Richard Pryor, because Richard Pryor's everything was really smooth the way yeah. he did everything. And I like, I'm with you in that I think Chris Rock belongs very very high in that echelon yeah um it's it's hard to see where it is when say goat whenever somebody say goat and they say Chappelle, you know you're you know somebody's just a dipshit because yeah either that how is he the greatest of all time in stand-up either that or it's a comedian who's just kissing all the ass yeah like that's that's the answer you give when you're like, oh, I don't want to ruffle any feathers in comedy in case someone's listening to me talk right now. Like, be honest with yourself. Dave Chappelle, he's got like Killing Me Softly is an amazing Great. special. Yeah. But it also came out in what, like 1974? It's, and that's the thing is like everyone's like, he's the goat. It's like, no, he had a good sketch. Co that would be like saying, you know, who's best of all time? Keenan Ivory Wayans. Well, that's the thing, because so many comedians measure success in stand-up comedy by, well, what were you able to do because of stand-up comedy? Yeah. And that's not, like, you don't, we're not judging Frank Thomas as a baseball player because of his new Genix yeah. commercials. Let's also remember, too, that Dave Chappelle was acting, he was in movies at 19. Yeah. Like, we seem to forget that, like, it was like, oh, just stand-up is what brought him there. It's like, well, he was still in movies, acting, doing the thing that they all do. That doesn't make him the best stand-up. Right. And I think that the, I think Chappelle, when you go, like, stand-up wise when they say greatest of all time i wouldn't put him in the top 20 yeah i don't think so either and i get it like 
I agree with people who, if you want to point to Chappelle's show as being Great. way up there in terms of like sketch comedy shows. Absolutely. Oh, sure. But yeah, he doesn't have a, I, I still only can think of killing me softly as far What's as the, the block party. That's like yeah. kind that, that the comedy in there is really great, but it's just not like, even when you look at the like stand up that he would do in the beginning of Chappelle's show, I hate to be that guy. Seinfeld's bits in the beginning of Seinfeld are better. I don't like Seinfeld as a person. And I think as a comedian, he's relatively bland, but they were more consistent and better. Um, now, yeah, because like when you look at like consistency, I think if you're saying greatest of all time, you're saying consistency. And Chris Rock has been relatively consistent this whole time. Yes. You know, when you look at what Chappelle has done with the last specials in the past, nobody in their right mind would look at any of the Netflix Chappelle special and be like, the goat did it again. No, I, I 100% agree. I think they've all been really average. And the first ones, I thought it was brilliant because I was like, he's selling the process. You know, it was like, it was, it was very much the process of it. He was selling uncooked, you know, like the, have you ever heard of take and bake pizza places Yeah, of where course. they like, they make it, you take Papa it home Murphy's. and then you, and you cook it. Right. Which by the way, if you're not familiar with take and bake and you go and get a pizza from somewhere that is that you're going to kill someone. Cause like when you find out, you'd be like, wait, you're giving me a fucking frozen pizza. Oh yeah. 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 yeah like, hey, just put it in the oven when you get home and be like, well, I they paid. are good though. Pa I fuck sure. with Papa Murphy's, but like, to me, Chappelle's first couple of Netflix specials were that to me, where I was like, oh, okay, you're showing us the process, but not fully the finished product, and you're making money off of it. I think that's brilliant. And also, he wasn't being like particularly bigoted. He was just being kind right. of lazy. Yeah. Everyone's like, he writes so much material. No, he doesn't. He's just riffing a lot. Yeah. Yeah, like, there have been sightings of Dave Chappelle like, I know he showed up at West Side Comedy Theater once, and he did, like, five hours. Yeah, people were, like, leaving. Yeah, you know, I'm, like, I'd be in for, like, 45 minutes of that. But then after that, I'm like, oh, let's go hit Hummus Bar Express. That was still open. Or when he took over, I forget what show he took over. I think it was, like, Blind Barber or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just, it turned into a Chappelle show, and they changed their rules, and the tickets were $75. And I just sat there, and I... And like nothing against the people that run that show because I think they're great and it's an amazing show. But I'm like, oh, so you're just not doing your show. Right. You gave your show to somebody else and you're not going to get anything for it. No, no. You're going to be did like. they not get the ticket money for that? I think Chappelle did. They were $75 tickets. But that see, that would have been the cool thing for him to do would be like, if you let me use your crowd, I will give you the ticket money. I but got a lot of news for you about the cool thing <laughs> Chappelle should have done. But there is a series of cool things that he should have done that he didn't. And I also, when it comes to Dave Chappelle, and like I, I think we're talking about Chappelle so much because his name is the one that comes up. It's he's also the goat or not. He is the the biggest name in comedy right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. The the other thing about Chappelle, I kind of I don't kind of agree. I absolutely agree with Gerard Carmichael's criticism of Chappelle, which is cool it with the trans stuff. Yeah, right. Like Gerard Carmichael, I think his quote was like, "This is what you want your legacy to be." Yeah. Like when people Google Dave Chappelle, you want them to see 
fought really hard against trans rights on Netflix. Like even in the Chris Rock special, like I appreciate that he wasn't transphobic about his trans people jokes, but also just skip the fucking jokes about trans people. God damn. They were. Yeah. His, his trans jokes weren't, I wouldn't necessarily think anybody would, would interpret them as offensive. I felt like they were a little lazy. They weren't good. No, yeah. they weren't. That was like really the low point and not from a, like, look, if, if you can write the joke that is good and doesn't punch down, I'm all for it. But some of them become a little bit lazy. Um, yeah. But the new, the new special really strong. I actually really liked his Kardashians bit. Yes. About how progressive they are and like how how like that to me, I thought was just a brilliant bit. And Robert Kardashian being cursed for saving OJ. Yeah. Oh, that was brilliant. And but that to me like that, I was watching that. I was like, that's the that's the chunk right there. I also liked the Will Smith jokes. I hate that people are posting those on Twitter because that's like that's the end of the movie. Like, don't post the end of the movie. Yeah. On social media. Seriously. Like, that's fucked up. But, yeah, back to Dave Chappelle. Like, the I'm sorry, but the trans stuff, I'm not sorry. The, the like, transphobic stuff, it does knock him down a few notches. Like, you don't have to do that. And it feels like every comedian now feels like they have to have jokes about trans people. Yeah. And also, if I hear one more motherfucker make the, oh, I identify as... Joke. He did do one of those jokes. He did, because would... he talked about his daughter being rich, and he said, but I identify as poor. He I... said, my pronouns are, like, broke or yeah, something. Yeah. And it's like... That is... La- of all the identify as ones, I understood that one, because I was like, I get it. You grew up poor. Right. You've kept it even though you're rich. But yeah, it is weird to me that stand-up comedy gets so much talk Yeah, when the boom of the... 80s and 90s, people weren't even talking about stand-up comedy that much. No, not really. You know, you would go to comedy clubs, but you didn't necessarily like like the famous comedians. It wasn't crazy. I think it's because comedy has become such a part of all of the culture war bullshit that's happening now. And I've said it a million times and I'll say it again. Comedy is well past the point where as an industry, comedy is the one pushing the envelope. Yeah. That's that ship is sailed. Comedy upholds the status quo now. Uh, like, yeah, the, you know, comedy wants you to still be able to treat trans people like they're not yeah. people. Comedy wants you to be able to be racist. And it's just because, oh, well, we got to do it in the 80s. Man, fuck the 80s. Yeah. The 80s fucking sucked. And this, so did most of the comedy then. This whole thing. I remember I had when I, I had somebody on one of my old shows and we were, I, we were talking about how he'd had a problem saying offensive things at panels and stuff. And it was like a fucking problem. I was like, this is in your Wikipedia yeah. So I'm not going to not talk about it. Like, this is something that should be addressed. And he's like, you know, he's like, I grew up to, you know, in comedy in the 80s and 90s before I was in comics. And he's like, you know, it's just you can't say these things anymore. And I'm glad I said this, but I was like, I think we weren't supposed to say it then either. Yes. We just said it. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is like, people are like, you can't even, it's, it's just a joke. It's just, I'm just being a right. It's like, what the, how many black friends do you have that were like, it's a good joke? 
Yeah. You should yeah. say that joke. And spoiler alert, we have had jokes that we've been like, I'm not saying that joke anymore. Like that, oh, I shouldn't absolutely. have said that. I yeah. cut it out. Like at no point in time do I pretend that I have this pristine history of the things I said. I'm sure you could go on this show. If you went to the backlogs of this show and you could find something. There was a, we did an episode of the Monday show. And I remember being like, well, Louis C.K. asked for permission. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And I was like, and I don't understand what more he was expected to do. And much to, I'm, I'm 100% sure the frustration of the co-host at the time. And I look back at that and I was like, I was wrong. Yeah. And I've, I've paid more attention. I've listened and I understand why I was wrong. And I'm going to consider these things in the future. Now that I have this information, I'm going to make sure I do better decisions. I totally own that. Yeah. Like, I was fucking wrong. It was so easy to do that. Yeah, being that comedian who's like, oh, well, we used to, it's just jokes, words don't hurt, which is a thing Chris Rock said that was bullshit last night. Yes. He had a whole bit about that. But I worked in insurance offices for years and years and years before I started writing. As a comedian. Comedy, or, I mean, I've always kind of been a comedian. You were just, you were doing stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> Just, and just crowd working Terry at the Xerox <laughs> machine. And if you're one of those comedians who's like, oh, well, we used to get to say these words and now we don't. And that's bad. Please understand you are the same as those like soccer moms I worked with who'd be like, we didn't have computers when I started working here. I don't want to use them now. Oh, and my. it's like you need to be bounced out of the work pool then. I had a teacher that literally in that I worked with. This was. 11 years ago? Yeah. Don't even send me an email. I won't check it. Yeah. I had a boss who would didn't know how to forward emails. So if she had to send you an email, she would print it. And one time she printed one out and it had the longest URL in the middle of all time. Oh, hell yeah. And you were supposed to click it. And I was like, you want me to type this? And then I showed her how to forward an email. That's what those fucking comedians are. Those are the people, they are the ones who are like, I don't like computers. I just keep everything in my desk. Well, then you aren't keeping up with the times and you need to be fired from your job. Learn to evolve. Yeah. Learn to evolve. Now, what I will say, if I can piggyback on that to one of mine, we can address comedians being pieces of shit. And I think that's a very, very viable thing. Comedians do awful things. Yes. A lot of them do. These are comedians are generally narcissists. There's a, if you believe that you should be standing in front of people with a microphone, you're like, everybody needs to hear what I'm saying for 10 minutes. You are in denial if you don't think that that is attention seeking behavior. Yeah, right? of course. Some, a lot of people, not just some, a lot of them, those people, comedians tend to be fucking nerds when they were growing up. They didn't know how to interact. Like a lot of sexual assaults, a lot of abuse, a lot of like really awful things, transphobia. These are things where artists are being bad people in the real world. That is the shit you should go after. Going after a botched joke that is clearly a bit and not meant to do harm. And I, I think there's a delineated example of that when you see like Chappelle doing the trans stuff and be like, that is harmful. Yes. Whereas somebody like, and it was very recent because I saw it being shared on Twitter, Tom Segura did a bit where on his podcast about like washcloths and he was like, I'm not black. I don't want to use washcloths. And he was like, oh, I'm just kidding. That's for poor people. That's like clearly a trolling level bit. Yeah. And people are losing their fucking minds about that. 
I think a lot of people miss the difference between what is clearly material and what is a person with a bad take that is letting it push forward, I guess. But that's also like I hadn't heard anything about this controversy until you mentioned it to me. But in the annals of Tom Segura jokes that push the boundaries in that way, that's not way up there on the list. Like that's like that's Tom Segura's whole thing. Well, a lot of people are that they're like calling him racist for that, which I understand. And there and like obviously his wife is his co-host. And she had some problematic shit on one of her specials where she was like doing like, I'm talking Indians, diarrhea, not feather or something like that. And you're like, all right, well, you're just offensive as a hack at that point in time, doing a racist, doing that sort of thing. If you can't tell the difference between something like that, that is playfully having fun and something that is a hardcore pushing racial stereotype, I I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's weird to me, like, Some jokes fail and comedians take risks. I understand that. But you need to be able to tell the difference between somebody like Dave Chappelle doing three specials where he can't let go that the trans community is like, or like Ricky Gervais, another example of that, where he would do it and everyone's like, what are you doing? And then he did it on his fucking show, Afterlife. He did a whole bit about it. And that was a good show. Right. That is marred. And I remember because I had Ethan Lawrence on my show and I, I asked him about that. And he's like, I do not agree with that. And I did not like doing that. Yeah. He's like, that's not something he's like, it made me uncomfortable to be a part of that scene. Sure. Like, there's that. There's the, you can't tell me what to do pushing back thing. And then there's people that are clearly doing a bit. They know they're riling people up. And it's also taken in the context of not prepared speech, but an off the cuff podcast. I think Shane Gillis was a good example of like, all right, well, there's a lot of examples of this. Yeah, Shane, like, that's the thing. I I feel like you do kind of have to, we're, we're hitting a point where you kind of have to pick and choose what kind of incidents like this you're going to get really outraged about. Yeah. And I am genuinely surprised that the Tom Segura thing has turned into a huge deal, especially like... You know who opened for Chris Rock last night? Jeff Ross. Like, how is Jeff Ross still- Was that at the comedy store or was he uh, on the- No, he opened for Chris Rock in Baltimore at the Chris Rock show. And Jeff Ross has some very problematic shit in his recent history. Yeah. And And not just the banging a 15-year-old. Yeah. Man, that to me, I see that a lot. Like, where all these comics are being like, oh, you know, Chappelle's transphobic and stuff like that. But because they're fucking roast battle comics, they won't say anything about Jeff Ross because that's their meal ticket. Exactly. And it's like, oh, so the girl that was molested. Yeah. It doesn't matter to you because you have to work. And that creates a big conflict as well where, you know, they're letting Louis, you know, like the improv, letting all like Chris D'Elia, Louis C.K. and and guys that are predatory to women and then all the women comedians are like, so now we have to voluntarily lose our stage time. Yeah, exactly. Is that what you got? Like, there's also that where, you know, people are like, how can you do a club that where Chris D'Elia is right in the next room? Yeah. I don't know. The Tom Segura thing. Like, I'm not here to defend that joke. Yeah, and like, yeah, like I grew up poor and him saying it applies to poor people does not bother me. I obviously can't speak to whether black listeners would be offended that he he said black people mostly use washcloths. 
I don't fucking know. Like I mean, that was the Chappelle show bit. Yeah, I think it was. It was like washcloths. Why people don't uh, have them? Yeah, the wife swap yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't know if people are upset that Tom Segura made that joke. I get it and be upset, but do also, you, do you use a washcloth? I I have recently become a bar soap. I do the same guy. I lather up on my chest hair. Yeah, and then I work from there, and yeah. I'm like, this is my this is my home base. Yeah. From a soap, I'll lather it up there, and then I'm like, and now we go here, and I do wash my legs. Yeah, I wash my legs. The bar soap is a recent, it's a recent switch. Yeah, I went me. to bar soap too. I, I, I've pulled away from your shower gels. Yeah, me too. They're not good. They're not great. Yeah, the I I, I used a bar soap the other other day. I got one. Mm-hmm. It's a pine tar. Oh, nice. It smells like fucking baseball. Hell yeah. It's great. I, I was really bummed out. I I had like, I had a soap guy and at the farmer's market, but unfortunately his soap was like kind of melting. It was like drip melting. Yeah. Like it was just too soft. Oh, that's so weird. So my roommate was like, you got to stop buying that soap. And so I've started buying more of like a standard bar soap, but I use a bar soap now. And yeah. I wash things off thoroughly, and but I don't use a washcloth. Yeah, I don't either. And... Yeah. I was poor. So. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my, my last, again, my final thoughts on the Tom Segura thing would be there's like, if you want to be upset about it, be upset about it. Obviously you're entitled to be upset about the joke if it offended you. No. For sure. But also please know there are so many way bigger comedy problems that need to be addressed, like in the comedy industry still that need to be addressed. And like Tom Segura's He's not your demon. Yeah, like there's... that's not doing harm the way. <laughs> yeah, it's. I I think that is radically harm, yeah. different than the transphobia jokes that we keep getting from Dave Chappelle. Yeah, and I don't know. Just fucking, yeah. fucking stop with the trans jokes. My God, that's my other thing too. Is it's like they're like, well, they're pretty. They're being pretty mouthy about their rights. It's like, yeah, they're people. And yeah, they get fucking murdered all the time. All the time. Like, their pers- their murder rate is insane. And you're like, you know what? I think James Acaster did a great bit about that where he went on and he's like, oh, way to go, Ricky. Yeah, the trans community, go after them. They've had it too good for too long. Yeah. It's about time they got to put on the defense. <laughs> exactly. You know, like, why? Why go at, why punch down? That's the thing that I've never understood. Why are we, like, these old, and it's a lot of it's old white guy comics. Sure is. Just like, I I said it back then. Why can't I say it now? It's like, you were an asshole back then. Yeah. Sorry, you can't write new material, so you have to say racist shit all the time. That's the thing, too. If you're leaning on your jokes from 20 years ago, fucking quit. Let me tell you about the fucking guy that went on. His credit was he'd been doing it for 30 years, and he went on doing Lewinsky material. And I was like, oh, so like the same comedy (laughs) for 30 years. Ah, Sad. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Which we talk about what next. What else you got there? Yeah, I guess we yeah we jumped right into to yours. Well, should we 
I have another comedy one. Should Go we just it, yeah. keep talking comedy? Yeah. I've been seeing tweets lately where comedians who've been doing comedy a while, yeah. you know, five years, ten years, something like that, are getting really angry about, one, people who don't have a lot of comedy experience getting stage time in comedy, mm-hmm. and also people filming specials. Not even like selling a special to Netflix or something, just you like special? filming their own and putting it on YouTube. And there's all of these tweets where people are really angry about that because those people haven't been doing it long enough. Pathetic. And here's the thing. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. What the fuck do you care? Yeah. It reminds me of when American Idol premiered and all these musicians were like, "Hmm, you didn't drive around in a van for 10 years. You're not a real musician. And it's like, motherfucker, go get on American Idol. Like, do you think you'd be able to get on American Idol like that person did? Yeah. Or are you like, no, I'm too old and I do rock. Well, then American Idol was never going to be for you. Yep. It reminds me of the student loan thing where there's all these people who are like, Biden can't forgive student loans because I paid mine. And if I paid mine, why should all these other people not have to pay theirs? It's the same argument when you're talking about comedy specials and you're like, I was doing it eight years before I was able to film a special. It's easier now. You should have been better. Yeah. One, you should have been better. Because that's the uh, that's the flip side of that argument. Maybe the problem isn't that all of these people are able to film specials after two years. Maybe you are just not good enough to film one. You know who's one of the best working comedians in the world right now? Taylor fucking Tomlinson. Taylor Tomlinson fucking rules. Taylor Tomlinson And she's is, like eight. She's a perfect comedian. Yeah. She's perfect. She writes all of her own material. She wanted to do stand-up, and she was going to open mics at 17 years old, you know, and doing that. She's, what, 25 now? Yeah, she's Something still like super young. How many Netflix specials does she have? You want to know why? Because she's better at it. Yeah, she's better at comedy than most people are. Yes, and she's incredibly videogenic, right? And why would people be mad at that? That's like being mad at Tiger Woods. And she works her ass off yeah i see and and it's funny too because i try very hard we say don't punch down right and i try very hard not to punch down on comics that i know are not going to make it right you see them you see them a lot and i'll go to open mics and i i treat them with respect i i'm very grateful for them uh, hey thank you for the spots whatever like but sometimes when they get that hair across their ass it's very hard not to be like dude you haven't left this open mic in 12 years Yeah. Have you not taken the hint? If you use years as your credit, that means you're doing something terribly wrong. Unless you just love doing stand-up. And if you love doing stand-up, you shouldn't hate other people who are doing stand-up. Right. And stand-up is such a layered thing. There are levels to it. Like, Kevin Hart is not my favorite joke writer in the world. But I fucking love Kevin Hart. He's got great presence. He's got arguably the best stage presence ever oh yeah he's got incredible stage presence and he's he's fun on camera like he you can tell kevin hart is a fun dude i just don't think he's the best writer and he doesn't have to be no he doesn't have to be because he's he's got that kind of stage presence that can carry him and he's also still doing incredible like he's still doing good specials even if the jokes aren't perfect all the time right and it's funny, too, because you look at n- – nowadays we look at, like, how polished a lot of this stuff is. When you look at um, 
look at any Mulaney special you've watched. Yeah. You know, like those are, there's not, is there a bad joke in any of that stuff? And it's like really, really well done and stuff like that. But not everything is going to be perfect. Right. So like if you're, and a lot of comedians get mad because somebody released a special, like, well, they weren't ready. And it's like, well, are you? Or are you afraid to make the attempt? And what does ready mean? Because there are a whole lot of specials out there that were released by people who've been doing comedy a long time. And they're not good. We released a special, uh, uh, an album, by accident. We probably weren't, quote, ready to release something after what we were doing comedy for maybe four years when that got recorded. Yeah, like, but who cares? Like, it's fun and it's in the moment and it's a it's a good time and 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 was- like I'm I before I started doing comedy, I had been writing comedy on the internet for years, years and years and years. So I won, went into comedy very confident in my joke writing because when you write in that way, like you can run it by an editor. I didn't have an editor, but like you could run it by someone at the office if you wanted. But otherwise you had to just kind of put it in front of people and be like, it's going to work. Yeah. I hope this is funny. Yeah. And more often than not, it was. And that gave me a lot of confidence. You know, what's funny is you came in with the joke writing confidence. I came in with the stage presence confidence. Yeah. Because of my decade of education. Yeah. So like I had already been performing four one hour shows. Exactly. For a disinterested group of people trying to make them interested in like learning about the Byzantine empire. Like that, those skills that you learn to get eighth graders attention are very similar to stand up. I learned certain tricks and stuff like that. So I went in, but I at no point in time was like, oh, this person doesn't deserve this thing. Yeah. And I don't understand this tendency to want to get mad at people finding easier avenues into having a career in anything, but including comedy. Like, what about Bo Burnham? Like, is he not a real comic? Right. Because he started on YouTube and like he. Yeah, he was a kid on yeah, YouTube. And he didn't necessarily start doing stand up on YouTube. He was just doing was YouTube doing little, shit. He was doing his little songs. Yeah. But Bo Burnham's fucking great. And he's like, a, I mean, he's considered a current comedy genius. Yeah. And like, so we're supposed to not want people like Bo Burnham to have a career. Like, it's exactly the kind of gatekeeping bullshit that needs to be eliminated from comedy. It's crabs in the bucket. Yeah, like this whole, like, oh, if you're a YouTuber, you're not funny. Motherfucker, there are YouTubers out there with, like, 35 million subscribers. It's not because they suck. Here's what it comes down to, I think, for a lot of people. Somebody else's success is oftentimes going to cause you to audit your own. And I am the first to say, like, when Val got Conan after doing stand-up for less than I had, my immediate reaction was, what was I doing wrong that I'm not getting seen by these people. Sure. And it caused me to, to sort of like cycle in and like kind of like recess a little bit. And like I was bummed, not because she got a thing I didn't, but I was like, what am I doing wrong? And yeah. It took me a little while. And it was very unfair on my part to not be able to celebrate the joy the same way I think I could have if I was a fucking dentist. Right. She got that. But I was, but if I was like, I'm a, I, I felt like a loser. I felt like I was like, you know, there's, why am I even doing comedy if like 
I'm not getting this attention, even though I think I'm really good. And when it really came down to me admitting, and I think you really helped me through this, is like some things you're just not going to get. Yeah. And I really leaned into this thing that I think that we are, we have a very passionate fan base that we are like what you'd consider, I guess, cult in the comedy world. And while mainstream success is great, I love what we have and we can build that cult up. Yeah. For me, when it comes to stuff like, you know, late night TV, I've kind of resigned myself to that not really being the path I want to follow when it comes to comedy. Like, I I wouldn't say in terms of material, but in terms of how he handles his career, I would say like Doug Stanhope is a little more the goal. And like, he's a huge problem as as a commit. Like, his jokes are... What about like a Mark Maron? Yeah. I think Mark Maron's a good example of that, where Mark Maron didn't get the attention... Because he got, I think he had like a half hour when he was younger on HBO, yeah. but it, like it didn't really pan out. And he was really bittered about it, embittered for a long time. And then eventually he kind of crested out of it being like, I was such an asshole for this. Yeah. Yeah. And in the case of Doug Stanhope, like he just like does theaters. Like he yeah. does his own, he books his own shows and he's built up enough of a following that like good enough. He's yeah. not, he's not going to be on your late night TV shows. Maria Bamford. There are yeah. great, there are great comedians that are like, when you look at like, when you say the like comedians of comedy, did you see that? Where yeah. It was like Galifianakis, Patton Oswalt, Maria Bamford and Brian Posehn. And they all had dipped their toes at the time into the mainstream, but they hadn't, I mean, Patton was the biggest name at that point in time. And then what eventually happens is Galifianakis finds his way into this mid-budget comedy. Yeah. The Hangover. And he becomes like the breakout star of that. Patton just goes, explodes. Posehn had always been this, that guy, that weird looking guy in the back. Right. And he's doing great. Bamford, same thing. Like, Yeah. And even if they're not doing great the way like Kevin Hart is doing great or Gabriel Iglesias is doing great. Or, like, even John Mulaney. Yeah. Like, there are five famous comedians. Yeah. Like, in reality. Like, they're still doing so good. Like, like I guarantee things aren't, aren't that bad. Yeah. Like, I mean, barring, like, you know, personal stuff. But work-wise, I guarantee they're pretty all right with where they are. You, you know who suggested a specific Stanhope special for me to watch? Doug Stanhope? Fucking Bourdain. Really? He was like, do you like Doug Stanhope? Have you seen his new special? And I was like, no. He's like, dude, you got to watch it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes, yes, sir. Yeah. And then I, I, I watched it and I was like, that was actually really good. And, and I think that's what got him to follow me on Twitter as I tweeted about it. I was like, you know, when Anthony Bourdain tells you to watch Doug Stanhope special, you watch Doug Stanhope special. And I did. <laughs> it was the one about his mother dying and then just doing credit card fraud about it. I, I haven't. It's. Really I haven't funny. listened to a Doug Stanhope album in a long time, which is kind of why I threw that disclaimer out. Because yeah, you're not sure. He's a wild right dude, now, yeah. and I wouldn't be surprised if he has crossed some lines recently. Yeah. But yeah, just don't let comedians who have it in their head that there's one way to do this, don't let them discourage you from doing it. Like, don't listen to the people that need that that tell you you need to do. 10,000 hours at open mics first? Mm-hmm. Fuck off. Dude, honestly, like, I went, when I went home, when I was back home, right? Because when I go home, one of the things I do is I go to this guy, Brian O'Donnell. 
He runs this thing called Woot Nanny Comedy in Worcester, and they're really good at working the bad parts of New England comedy and like not really welcoming the like racist parts. Yeah. And the bigoted parts. They're like, that's not what we do here. And so whenever I go home, I'm like, get me you and two local comics that you know I want on my show. You know what I want. I don't want a bunch of guys that look like me. Yeah. I don't I don't want the same stuff. And I, I don't want them to punch down. I don't want them to be like nasty. And I give him my parameters. And he has brought me incredible. Like the people that opened for my show in Worcester a couple weeks ago, right? Uh, there was Brian O'Donnell, uh, Mary Dickinson, Kevin Lamori, right? All different people, different walks of life, doing different material, doing great. And that is, you know, about 85 people, where tickets sold, right? that now get to say, I know this local person and I can support them. These people aren't on the, the comedy special circuit yet. They're in Worcester, Massachusetts. They're building it up. But like the their world, like the internet is open now. And even then, like, yeah, they're just in Worcester. I don't know if I said that right. You did. But that's another thing to take into account. Like if you're looking to get into comedy, you can make a fucking killing just being in the Midwest. And like operating out of there, I opened for a fucking magician in the Midwest once who's doing so much better than me in life. Right. Like he's not famous. He's not super popular, but he gets booked at all these like fucking corporate gigs. You get corporate gigs. That pay like five and six thousand dollars. And it's like, yeah, people are going to say, oh, he's not a real comic, but I bet he's happy. I bet he's paying his bills. Yeah. Doing doing comedy. And if he's unhappy, it's not because he's broke yeah like there's a lot of ways to do this and pursue it and i just i hate that all this gatekeeping shit is creeping back in and being accepted one of the things that i think and it's not at any individuals i will say and i think i've said this on the show before so this is going to be a shock that i think this new the the algorithmic trend of crowd working videos Oh, I yeah. think is actually bad for stand up. But the reason I think that is because I think it's inspiring it's inspiring bad behavior from audiences. I can see that. Yeah. And it's also scaring off. Cuz it's all these first off, I'll, I hate to be this guy because hi, there's no accounting for taste. But a lot of the <laughs> a lot of the crowd work is mean. Yeah. Or it's not particularly funny. It's just com- young comedians know that that's going to boost them up, right? They're not wrong. Crowd work videos, stand-up comedy videos on Instagram clips are fucking huge. It's like the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, it's like an it's like asses. It's like stand-up clips and asses. Hell Hardcore. Yeah. Hell yeah. But a lot of it is like mean-spirited or half-baked crowd work that's getting out there. People that were going to go to a cr- comedy show, if they think that that's what comedy is now and they don't like to get picked on, they're not going to want to come. Meanwhile, people that want to be fuck sticks in public that want to make it about them are going to go to comedy more. Yes. That to me, I think is a problem. I think that is going to, I think it's, I think it's pulling comedians down as far as what they're doing with their time on stage. And I think it's bringing the worst audiences up. Yeah. And that to me, I think is a problem. Am I old man yelling at cloud about it? Yeah. Did you, I don't know if you saw the video I posted about it where I oh, meanly crowd work a guy yeah, and yeah. then just scream into the camera like, is this what you fucking want? <laughs> um, and like, 
But there were comments. I posted that on YouTube and people were like, wow, this guy really embarrassed himself. And I was like, do you not understand what I'm doing here? Yeah. Like, do you not get it? No, yeah. I I have never been a big crowd work guy. Like I'm a I'm a shut the fuck up guy. Yeah. Like if you're that's that's how I'm gonna crowd work you. Like if you're jibber jabbering during my jokes, I might shut the fuck up you. But I'm not I don't care where you're from. I don't care what your job is. Like I get and I think that's another aspect of comedy when you hear these comedians who are like you got to do every open mic you can. You got to be on stage as often as you can. That's what they're developing in those moments. And I'm not here for it. Like, I don't need the crowd's help to be funny. And that's another thing is a lot of people who heckle, when you talk to them after, they're going to be like, oh, I was just I was just helping out helping the show. And it's like, you absolutely are not. You sure weren't. You were definitely not helping the show. So if you're one of those people who's listening, thank you for the thought, but we don't need the help. Yep. Do not heckle at shows. There was a woman in the front row of my show that was doing those positive, I think she was buzzed out like a motherfucker, doing like what we call a positive heckle. Not mean, but thinks they're helping. And finally, I was like, you weren't here for the beginning of the show when I said not to talk, right? I was like, you weren't here for that? And the crowd, yeah. you know, I mean, I said it in a funny way, in a comedy way, but I kept having to like nicely tell her to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And I was like, and she'd be like, Oop. yeah, that, you know, that's she would the do worst that thing where they, they go, Oop, Oop, my bad. Oop, I ruined the show. And I'm like, kind of. Yeah. That always sucks. Don't do that. All right. Don't do that when you Get come out to of our, comedy. our comedy shows. Yeah. Fuck don't, comedy. I don't want that. But also, uh, come see me and Jeff at Mint on Card. Oh, yeah. Come support Friday. Absolutely. Nobody heckles at Mint on Card. Jesus Christ. The lights are on. Yeah. Everyone can see you. So, Adam, I don't know if you uh, have ever been in public before. A few times. Um, But I feel like it should be not just legal, but low-key encouraged to discriminate against babies. (laughs) Babies should be discriminated against more. Um, I sure, think, sure. I think you should have to pay. And to be fair, this is in reference, this part, I'm, I'm going to be sort of remembering a tweet that my brother made a long time ago, but essentially you should have to pay an extra hundred dollars to bring a baby into a movie theater. Oh, into a movie theater. Yes. Okay. If you I bring got- a baby into a movie theater, you should have to pay. Yeah. And if that baby cries during the movie, you should get kicked out. You should immediately have to leave. I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not not on board with that. Restaurants, same thing. See, but when, restaurants should be able to choose that. Okay. At a fucking Applebee's, bring your baby. Who gives a shit about your baby in the Applebee's? But like, there are like re- like higher end restaurants where when somebody's setting up a high chair, I'm like, get the fuck <laughs> out of here. I did not spend two hundred and fifty dollars on this check to smell your baby's shit next to me. Sure. Fuck. Like, but that's the thing. It's like, all right, you made a choice to have this baby. Why does, <laughs> why does everybody around, I'm pro-choice. Why does everybody else have to pay your bill for that? Your social reference. And I understand it's like babies are a part of shit. But like if a restaurant opens and is like, we don't have high chairs, we don't have booster seats. And if anybody is too loud, no matter their age, we will ask you to leave. People are like, that's discrimination. And it's like, I mean, it is, but also I, I don't, I feel like when you start getting into like the necessities, it's where I don't agree. Like on travel, I know it seems counterintuitive for me to say this, but I would absolutely be opposed to what you're suggesting 
on airlines, buses, okay, or trains well, because people, if especially if you're traveling not by air, you've just had a baby, and also you're traveling by bus, so you're broke. I get it. And levying an extra tax on people in that situation is unfair. But what if then? Would you be okay with a no babies airline existing? Well, that you can still fly Delta, JetBlue, United, Southwest. You can do all those things. But then there's one that's just like, this is a private business that, because I don't think, okay, look, not for nothing, but I don't view, babies are, babies aren't people yet. Like, I know they're technically people, but like, what the fuck's a baby do? It's not like they have opinions about shit, right? See, are there? Uh, I Googled it. Yeah. Child-free flights, alternative airlines. Maybe there are some. Yeah. It's just one of those things where, like, if you've ever been on a plane and there's a screaming child next to you or behind you, you're kind of like, are we just fucking, I get that your life is hard, but why does my life have to be hard? I don't even get to beat this kid. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. It's a classic complaint. Yeah. If, if this kid isn't going to be mowing my lawn the way he's going to be mowing yours, <laughs> shut it the fuck up. And if you if you have a baby and you have to go to the movie, I hope you fall down a sewer manhole. Well, I have I, I would say there are a lot of theaters like you probably don't see them when you're looking for tickets because you're not looking for it. And they usually happen early in the day on weekends. But there are pretty regularly screenings of movies that are specifically for bringing your children oh yeah of course and i think that's a fair compromise to the if your kid starts crying and won't stop you have to leave yeah if you're in a regular ass movie that's not does it like if you have your kids at fucking pearl and one of them starts hooting and hollering why is your kid here in the first place right don't be my parents. Be a more responsible parent. Don't take your kid to horror movies. There was like, what was it? There was a guy that took his baby to that the Aurora midnight showing of The Dark Knight Rises, and his fucking baby was there. Oh, yeah. And I was like, dude, that's... And it was like, there was something where I was like, well, you're the villain of the story here. Well, is that the same guy that ran and left his wife and baby in the theater? Probably. I think it is, because I remember watching an interview with that family after, and... Two terrible things. Ooh, it was tense because they all survived. Yeah. That's the premise of a Will Ferrell I wonder comedy. if they're still together. Ooh, I hope not. I hope she fucking, I hope she shot him. <laughs> In a movie. Final destination his ass. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, it's like, look, I understand like, yeah, a baby should, you bring a baby into like a fucking apple, like a chain or like a family restaurant. I totally understand that. But if you're going to some fucking, if you're eating brunch at the Four Seasons or something like that, and there's a baby there, you're just sitting there just being like, why, why do we have to pay? Why do we have to pay this social cost at a place that's a certain point where the ambiance is a part of it? If a place is like, we have great ambiance, and which is oftentimes like what higher end restaurants are, I don't believe that you should be able to just bring a fucking baby into that. But I will also add that I know that there are like purposefully childless Facebook groups and stuff. And I think that's somehow even more pathetic. The ones that they're like, I've made my choice not to have children. Here are some memes about it. It's like, that's your fucking identity. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Get a life. February 13th, 2023, New Jersey restaurant bans kids under 10. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I can. I mean, I feel like in that case, like, 
it's you know it's your if you're running a private business you can exclude who i mean <laughs> whoa that yeah. is that's a that's a rocky. I road. know it is rocky. I, I was all I was about to say you can exclude whoever you Wait, want, but no, you absolutely no. cannot. But here's the thing: is is it disruptive? And when I say that, I mean literally, audibly disruptive. Yeah, yeah. and that's the thing where it's like a fucking trans person or a gay couple coming into a restaurant is only disruptive for huge pieces of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. but a screaming toddler. <laughs> Throwing fucking pasta everywhere or whatever. Nope. I'm sorry. In Monterey, there is a restaurant that has rules. And I went there. It was, I forget what the name of the place. Old Fisherman's Grotto. Best clam chowder I've ever had in my life. I'm not a fan of clam chowder, but go on. Monterey, California. I am from New England. And the best clam chowder I ever had was at this place, right? They have a no strollers, no high chairs, no booster chairs sign. And it says... Children crying or making loud noises are a distraction to other diners and as such are not allowed in the dining room. Not that children are not allowed, but sure. children making loud noises are not allowed. Yeah. And there were kids in there that were like behaving. Sure. Because you can control a seven-year-old's behavior. Right. In a way that you can't control a baby's behavior. Yeah. And I think that's fair. I think yeah. businesses should be able to put rules like that in place. I used to frequent an Indian restaurant in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where all babies, (laughs) where you could bring your cell phone in with you. But if it rang and you answered it and took a call, they would come get your food, package it up and make you leave. Fuck yeah. Which I I imagine in the smartphone era, that would have really led to some problems but we weren't there yet we were just yeah you were in the flip phone in the the flip phone era and i saw i saw it happen to someone and i was like hell yes and that like yeah yeah no i'm no indian restaurant yeah yeah no it's great the vindaloo someone and i went to alien con over the weekend and during like the big presentation Someone answered a call behind me and talked for a while. It was funny. It was very funny. Was it funny? Because to me, I'm just like, you're going to get the fuck out of here now. Oh, I was at a... Here's, here's a controversial opinion. I mean, this isn't, this isn't even controversial. If you've been to the fucking movies, you know this. I, I would maybe be in favor of not only banning the babies from the movies, but fucking old people, too. Like, there is... Here's the thing. The greatest generation did not get the memo about not talking at movies. Like, though, I was... I don't get it. I was at a movie. I don't remember what it was. But a guy was just... For one thing, he was like 900. And he's just standing, leaning against the back row of seats. And his cell phone rings. And he just answers it and goes, Yeah, I can talk for a little bit, but I'm in a movie. And just talks loud as shit. And he was old so no one said anything oh i would have said something <laughs> i i do love when whenever somebody is like that and i'm visible to them i'll put my phone up i'm like yeah i'm on a cell phone yeah yeah new invention i don't care about other people <laughs> no it's great it's like a phone in my pocket it's brand new no we couldn't have texted this like that just it's yeah my fight picking aspect of it but anyway i feel like <laughs> i feel like certain businesses should absolutely be able to discriminate against babies because also it's not like babies like vote 
or pay taxes. <laughs> they're not people yet. I know they're they're like they're like people they're, larva. They're lives. They're yes, they are live. They're larva <laughs> of people. Yeah. I get that. But like you ain't doing shit. All you do is shit and cry. I don't need that next to me while I'm trying to eat a fucking ninety dollar steak. Yeah. Adam, you got another one? I, I do have another one, Jeff. And this this is along the same lines because this is a, a debate I've been seeing on the reels on Instagram. You know when you're just fucking they're suggesting stuff yeah. and shit pops up. There there's this this war happening right now between fitness influencers and people who just want to work out at a public gym in peace. And what's happening is there are all there, these people will go to film their workouts and then get mad when someone like walks through the background or walks in between them and the camera. And there are you'll see these videos where it's like male Karen gets mad because I'm filming. And it's like for starters, not everyone who gets mad at you is a Karen. Like sometimes you're just being an asshole. Case in point, when you're demanding that people be in the background of your fucking fitness influencer videos. You're wrong. Yeah. If you're an influencer, work out at home. Yeah. You should be able to, you should have a fucking Peloton sponsorship. Yeah. If you're actually an influencer. You know, when I post the videos on my Instagram in the stories generally of like, you know, doing like the boxing thing, like if there are people, first off, I make it a point to try not to do it when there's people around me because I'm like, this is embarrassing. It's an imbe- filming my workouts, I personally feel is embarrassing. Sure. And I do it, I, I film for a grand total of maybe three minutes of different things, not during the workout, but like, here's basically what I did an hour ago kind of a thing. Right. If somebody walks past, like, and they'll, they're like, they'll flip off the camera and stuff, I'm like, oh, that's gold. I'm leaving that in. That's great. Yeah. Like, if you go to, like, a fucking a Planet Fitness and you're filming stuff because you're an influencer, you're just a fucking loser. Yeah. I Since we're talking about banning stuff, I, I could see gyms at some point moving to, like, not letting you film in a gym. Because here's the thing. Some people shouldn't be filming in yeah. gyms. There are That's a public place. So there are some pervs showing up. I think they're never going to ban cameras because they're going to lose money if they do that. Sure. They won't make money by banning cameras and gyms survive off of that shit. I think Karen and trauma are the two words that are being thrown about when people are going against you being a bad person. Yeah. If you get called out in public, you're a Karen. And if anything remotely inconvenient happened, it's trauma. That you need to fucking recalibrate who you are as a person because you are not the hero of any story. (laughs) Yeah, I I feel like I brought that at least the trauma thing up maybe on an episode of Trend Pony because we were talking about The Amazing Race, which is a show I love. And there was a woman on there who I feel like they had to make food of some sort. And her grandmother ate that food all the time, but she didn't like it. And because of that, she had PTSD was the word she used and she was sobbing and it wasn't because oh grandma ate this and i missed her it was because her grandma ate it and she didn't want to eat it (laughs) and it was the weirdest fucking thing and it's like that can't possibly qualify as ptsd i guess i don't know enough about it i'm not a doctor but i definitely agree 
trauma is a word getting thrown around pretty liberally it's these days. one of those things where you have to be like look i understand that some things are hard develop a coping strategy and utilize it grow the fuck up like honestly like i hate to be that guy because i know ptsd is a real thing of course and i'm not per- a person that's just like oh we're you weren't in vietnam <laughs> right you can't have trauma like i get it there are things there are things that like there the song mr brightside by the killers that song triggers me because it came out at the worst time of my life in a in a song. That song, the lyrics of that song are what I lived at when that song came out and it was everywhere. And so I get this guttural reaction. It makes me like shiver and get sick to my stomach. Yeah. You know what happens when Mr. Brightside plays? I fucking deal with it. Yeah. I just am like, oh, I'm going to go into the other room or I'm going to step outside or... I'm going to suffer through three minutes of something and move on because it's just fucking Mr. Brightside. Yeah. And it's awful, but also manageable. And I think we've removed like emotional management away from people that we're all pointing the blame at other people. We're all, it's like, dude, just because your faults aren't your problem doesn't mean they're not your responsibility. Or they're right. not your fault. Yeah. They still are your responsibility to be a fucking citizen. Yeah. Of God bless any of you that have fucking Gen Z in your family, because <laughs> that is a fucking effort. All right. I got. I think I got one more. One more. Then we're out of here. Seen a Marvel movie lately? You know, I've. this is a thing I've also said on Trend Pony recently. I'm kind of over it. Yeah, I get it. Like, I feel like they. there's too many in... Superhero fatigue. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some, too much. And there's some great stuff out there. There's some really good stuff. I'm Innovative sure. stuff, really good stuff. But a lot of people are saying that the quality of Marvel movies is declining by both critically and by the sort of uh, audience response, right? And a lot of people are like, well, they're going woke. Go woke, right. go broke. And there is that aspect of it where people just culture war it. But a lot of it comes down to Marvel used to have a very stringent rule about what you were allowed to do with their movie. They had a method, and you weren't supposed to break it. Famously, that's why Ant-Man, because remember who was supposed to direct Ant-Man for the longest time? Spike Lee. Yeah, it was Spike Lee. <laughs> no, it was- I would uh, have loved that. Edgar Wright. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And, they, and he had too many flourishes, and they were like, you got to kind of stick it within this. Like, we have a way of doing things. Like, you can, we'll give you a little bit of leeway, but you, and he was like, no- They were breaking up my creative vision. I didn't like that, so I left. Sure. Thor Ragnarok hits. And I think Thor Ragnarok is the one that Taika Waititi released a movie that was different than other Marvel movies. It's one of my favorite Marvel movies. It's very funny, very good. Yeah, I like Ragnarok. And Marvel's like, great, people like this. And then they start giving directors more leeway. They're hiring auteur directors. They're hiring, they've relaxed it a little bit. Look at this current phase of movies that came out, right? Eternals, Chloe Zhao, right? You have the new Doctor Strange that was Sam Raimi. And you had Taika doing Thor 4 with less restrictions. Right. That is making Marvel movies worse. And I don't know if that's correlation or causation, but it is a direct example of you can see more of the director in the movies now than you did when you know, did you see much of a difference between like Iron Man and Captain America as far as like what was being made? Not really. Yeah. You'd get a little bit of it. 
oh, Shane Black, it's in Christmas. You know, Iron Man 3 is in Christmas because it's Shane Black. Sure. Okay. Or, you know, like you got a little tiny bit of that, but not really. And now it's like you look at Multiverse of Madness. That is a Sam Raimi flick. And it's not that good. Taika went full comedy with Thor 4. And that was a bad dog shit movie. Yeah. I saw that movie and I was like, this fucking, I'm like, I'm bummed because I loved Ragnarok. But it was like, oh, you let him lose too much. Chloe Zhao doing Eternals, right? Eternals was just really blasé and boring because it was like an art house Marvel movie that did not work out. Right. So it's it's one of these things where it's like the further the director pulls itself away from the restrictions of Marvel, the less enjoyable that's going to be. Now, Marvel TV is a totally different thing. I'm not even going to talk about that because I think She-Hulk was absolutely brilliant and I loved the finish and blah, blah, blah. But I get why people didn't like it because that... But these movies, when you start doing that, people are, first off, people are just fatigued at superhero things. I'm very, very fatigued with Marvel. But a lot of it, I do feel, I I do feel has something to do with giving the directors more leeway and Kevin Feige pulling back on the restrictions of what these directors can do. And I don't know how to deal with that information in my head because I'm like, this is clearly the problem, but also I like that. Well, they're doing that. I don't know how to say that. Like, let their movies live and die on their merit, I guess. And I I know you're not, so I want to clarify for everyone, like, especially Sam Raimi was in the mix. Like, I don't think Jeff is saying, like, there shouldn't be this diverse array of directors. No. I would. What I would say is, in support of what Jeff is saying, is you can do that. You can hire the, the outside directors. You can hire any director you want. But when you're working in a universe or anything like that, voice matters like that's the thing i learned at cracked like if you go back and read like not my columns because i was a freewheeling columnist i could use i i could say my name but if you read any of those cracked articles like the ones that have like five authors on them and shit those are basically rewritten by editors in the cracked voice like we had very specific rules we had jokes you weren't allowed to make because they'd been made too many times. Yep. Like there were all these specific parameters and I would try to bring on new writers sometimes. And like the Edgar Wright thing, I'd be like, all right, but you need to like retool it this way. So it's like in this specific yep. voice. And they were like, I'm out. Yeah. And a lot of times people would be like, nope, I'm out. And it's like, cool. Okay. That's, that's yeah. understandable. But also being able to adapt to that, Voice is a skill in and of itself. Of course, yeah. And it's the harder route to take. Mm -hmm. And, like, I haven't seen a Marvel movie in a long time, but I would... Well, I saw Thor 4, and I loved Ragnarok, and I didn't like Thor 4. And I was like, why? Why don't I like this? There were some points that were funny. Yeah, yeah. But it just... it. It was it was so jarringly not... It was, like, they're all off path. And, like, I, I... I understand like directors do what they do. And I think Chloe Zhao is a great director. I think Taika is a good director. But when they are given this property and they are get like Sam Raimi, I fucking love Sam Raimi. Yeah. That scene, Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2, when they're trying to like do the surgery on Dr. Octopus. Yeah. 
that is the most evil dead shot. The camera, yes. like the camera's moving around and stuff, and you're like, I fucking like this is so Raimi. I love this because it was its own thing. With Marvel, it's this massive universe. You got success when you had like auteur directors like Taika and James Gunn, yeah, who, who you know with Guardians. Because if you remember when we did that episode where I was telling you Guardians was coming out early, Marvel, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that thing that convinced me one shot we did where I said. Guardians is going to be amazing, and this is that, but it stayed within the confines of what Marvel was. As they are pulling themselves, as they're as they're being less controlling about what the directors do and leaving those flourishes, I do think it's I do think it's harming the Marvel. And I don't mean harming like it's it's making movies offensive to my sensibilities. I mean it's har- it's harming their bottom line. Yeah, and it's harming their reviews. Yeah, but you know there is no accounting for taste, right? And yeah, I don't. I can see how that would harm the the quality of the films. And I, I like I'm I'm not a Marvel expert, but I would just reiterate that being able to tailor what you do to the specific parameters of what someone else does that can be magic. Yeah, like I. I, I would disagree that it's like, I, I guess if you're making a movie, it's different, but I would argue it's just another sort of creative process. Of it's not necessarily destroying. Like I wrote a few articles for Vice and I was coming from Cracked where articles had to be like 2,000 to 2,500 words and Vice was like 1,000 words. And I turned something in that was like 1350. And I was like, they'll, I mean, this is very good. They're obviously going to let me go over the thousand. And they were like a thousand words. And I had to fucking cut it. You know who fucking nailed it in Marvel? The Russos. Oh, yeah, they did. The Russos were sitcom directors. Yeah. They were sitcom directors. And what was their first one? Captain America 2. Then Cap 3. They did Infinity War. Yeah. And Endgame. Like Endgame is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Endgame was incredible. So good. And I do feel that there is a brushback on a lot of the movies that are out there. They are more purposefully diverse and that people push against that because they're like, why'd you have to make this white character black? And also, if you're one of those people, fuck, fuck off. You. Fuck you. They're drawings, you fucking pathetic nerd. Why can't you let people feel included? Is only 90% of Marvel being white too much for you? Yeah. Oh, a black woman is going to be strong? No thanks. Yeah. Embarrassing. Fuck out of here. It is. Anyway. Anyway. Those are our unpopular opinions. I was a bit concerned. I was like, are we going to get enough out of this? Boy, did we. We sure did. We got to get you out of here to edit this thing. Yeah, I got to go edit this thing. I got to go edit some food into my stomach. Yeah, baby. Uh, What do we have to plug before we get out of here? AdamToddBrown.Substack.com. Now that I'm mostly recovered from surgery, I'll be back to writing soon. Um, And that's uh, Mint on Card. This Friday, me and Jeff. It's just me and Jeff. We're doing... It's just us. We're doing, doing... 45 minutes each. Hell Yeah. Uh, as, uh, Adam mentioned before, if you want to see me live, you can come to Mint on Card the second Friday of every month at Blast from the Past on beautiful Magnolia in Burbank, California. Uh, our next show is this week, Friday, March 10th. Uh, and you can see me and Adam perform there as well as, uh, Atif Myers, who is another Unpops reg. Um, so check that out. That'll be me, you, and Atif, uh, again in a row. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I like that. As an accident, too. Um, but you can also, I don't know if you know this, Adam, but I have cool friends and I have a show called Jeff Has Cool Friends, which you can get for free wherever you find your podcast. Just look up Jeff Has Cool Friends. Or you can head over to patreon.com slash Jeff May for early access to uncensored episodes with bonus content, as well as shows like Ugg Fine, my monthly show with Kim Crawl, where we talk about stuff and then fight. Uh, you can also hear uh, Nerd with Dre Alvarez, which is also available for free, but that's a great monthly show. Uh, you can hear uh, You Don't Even Like Sports, a sports podcast about how Adam... Jeff. Even, no. Jeff doesn't, doesn't even like sports. Like sports. Uh, you can, as well as this show on Unpopular Opinion. And, of course, don't forget Adam and I's new video venture where once a month we will be breaking packs of cards open and we calling it... You, you don't, don't even, even like, like sports cards. cards. Uh, but for that, just, you know, social media. Follow me at Hey There Jeff Rowe. And also my YouTube is up and doing things. So Can someone hit up Jose Canseco and have him do a cameo where he just says cards so we can add we- that to the... <laughs> Is that? Are we allowed to have done that? Can we get in trouble for that? I don't know. I don't know. I've been. I don't know. I don't can sake no. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye, everybody. We love you. Bye. We love you. You get the Sam Raimi rookie card, everybody. (laughs) Send me a ten.